It didn't take long for market volatility to arrive. This time, it's in response to developments in China's property market. What does that mean for the average investor? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of September 27th, 2021. Which means it took about a week since our podcast on market volatility to see it happen in real life. That's about right. Previously, we covered some building worries for the fall and primarily focused on some domestic risks like the COVID recovery in the U.S., the Fed's monetary policy and legislation coming from D.C. What we didn't mention at the time, though, but is becoming increasingly important to our conversations with clients are risks on a global scale. I'm going to just throw out a wild guess here, Lauren, and say you're talking about China. You are absolutely right, Robert, though my guess is that your guess wasn't so wild. Yeah, true. I'll admit it. We've been hearing a lot of worries about China from our clients and our partners, and more recently, the Chinese property market. And with some of the larger players in that space facing financial hardship, real estate in China has been on the headlines for some time now. Yes, and though these headlines are certainly relevant recently, investors have known about a potential property market bubble in China for some time now. Say more about that. If real estate bubble in China has been a known risk, then why are investors so worked up now? Well, when you're analyzing structural risks, such as a potential bubble, it can be really hard to know when a potential risk will bubble over into a real market risk. Sometimes it can take years before a known risk becomes reality. And in this case, investors and even China's government have known that economic policies have contributed to a potential real estate bubble there. However, China has to balance that potential bubble and financial stability concerns with a bigger picture desire to keep its economic engine moving. So recently, the government has started to change its approach a bit, addressing the potential bubble risks with stricter regulations. That's super helpful context, especially around bubble dynamics. But to give more specific context to our listeners about this exact situation, in the last couple of weeks, a Hong Kong-based real estate developer called Evergrande, which you've probably heard of in the news now, it's China's second largest property developer by sales, and it has some financial woes. In order to become one of these biggest Chinese companies, Evergrande expanded aggressively and amassed more than $300 billion in liabilities, or debt. To put that into context, that $300 billion U.S. dollars, that's about 2% in terms of China's total GDP size. And here's the kicker. The first interest payment on this debt was due last Thursday, the 23rd, and they didn't have the cash to pay. Our listeners might already be able to tell why this has been contributing to investor stress. It sounds really familiar for anyone who was investing during the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Investors have been asking that same exact question, is what is happening right now in China similar to what happened in the U.S. during the financial housing bubble? 
Right. And by extension, could this one company that's experiencing trouble in China be the early warning sign of a much bigger crisis? And when you think of crises, the first thing that comes to mind for investors is to consider whether the contagion risk is high. In other words, how could one company's failure spread to the rest of the economy? Well, Evergrande currently owns more than 1,300 projects in more than 280 cities across China. And the firm encompasses far more than just real estate development. Its businesses range from wealth management to making electric cars to food and drink manufacturing. Makes me think of a lot of potential connections. Lauren. Wow. Frankly, I didn't even know that. That's pretty remarkable. And to add insult to injury, Evergrande's share price has already tumbled by about 85% this year. And its bonds have been downgraded by credit ratings agencies on a global scale, obviously anticipating or, or identifying some of these challenges. So now you know why investors are shaken in their boots. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And it's uh, definitely some reason for caution. But perhaps to take the side of quelling fears, there are a number of key differences in this situation relative to what we saw at the start of the global financial crisis back in 08. For starters, let's just make a direct market conversation. The first company to really go bust, Lehman, their liabilities made up 5.8% of the US stock market in total. Relative to this, Evergrande's only about 2.9% of the Chinese and Hong Kong stock market, so half the market share. And on top of this, Evergrande's debt is widely distributed across more than 128 banks and 100 more non-banking financial institutions. And its market share within the global real estate sector is pretty small. Yes. And on a macro level, again, China's policy concerns were relatively well known and risks around these changes are generally understood. The government in China has been trying to balance deflating its real estate sector bubble without disrupting economic growth for the last decade. And Luckily, rapid policy responses also on investors' side here. They could just as soon turn on the taps again if they see things getting out of control. In the country's transition through these new policies, the Chinese government may be willing to step in to conduct managed restructurings of Evergrande and potentially other developers' debt to prevent disorderly debt situations and reduce systemic risk broadly, can contain economic disruption. In China, officials are expected to pursue marginal credit easing to kind of lighten the load on not just Evergrande, but other real estate companies' debts. So wrapping up the story for our listeners, while policy errors are certainly possible, our view at this juncture is that the default that Evergrande is undergoing right now, this Chinese property developer, it's serious, but it's not likely to be a moment similar to Lehman Brothers' failure in the 2008-2009 financial crisis. It's not as important for China or for the world financial system. But that said, we expect policy changes in China to have consequences for investors, including some near-term volatility. So it's very important to stay informed. That's right. And I think we should move now to our portfolio pause, which as our listeners know is a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. Anytime we start talking about volatility, we need to think about exactly how investors can monitor these potentially volatile events and monitor the impact to their own investment portfolios. First and foremost, and regardless of how the situation plays out, investors should focus on durable market views. It's a great point. 
because this source of volatility might end up being pretty important for investors, but it's also important to tease out the sources of near-term stress, which could pass, and then those that are maybe underlying or causing longer-term market concerns that would be more interesting for investors that are trying to meet longer-term goals. So to start, our main concern, if we're thinking about the next year or two, is that the Chinese economy is actually pretty reliant on real estate. Real estate is a significant driver, accounting of up to 30% of Chinese GDP by some estimates. And that's a lot. That's really important. And so if we consider that homes are a really important source of wealth or store of wealth in China and, and really globally, then a decline in property prices that could come from stress in this situation, and of course, the associated decline in economic growth, that could impact consumers and how they behave and how confident they feel, and of course, impact the global economy. Right. And it could also mean some spillover into the wider financial sector in the country. Now, for average investor portfolios, we'd already been reducing emerging markets equity exposure in our portfolios due to a strengthening dollar and higher Chinese regulatory scrutiny. But we were buyers of U.S. equity last week. Exactly. So it did make for a good buying opportunity. But zooming out to the bigger picture for our listeners, I think it's important to note that the fundamentals of this economy and economic growth remain supportive to corporate profit growth. So even though there's a number of risks that are accumulating and investors are becoming more concerned about, it means that there's still opportunities out there. And we're focusing on companies that have quality balance sheets and continue to show solid profit growth and earnings revisions. Love to end on a positive note. So that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by following us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website, which is newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab. Until then, I'm Robert Serenbez. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.